When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, Buckeye Nation. I stole that from you. That's how you start Buckeye. We do this too much. Um, <laughs> welcome, Buckeye Nation, to Land Grant Holy Lands I, not I seventy show. Oh my god! Welcome to Land Grant Holy Lands Instant Recap Podcast, where we are recapping Ohio State's forty-four to thirty-one win over Penn State, who is a rival. And if you want to know why, watch the game. And if you still want to know why, listen to Friday's Buck Off, where we explain it to you. As always, I'm your host, Jordan, and I'm with my co-host, Chris. How you doing, Chris? I am uh, I'm doing better now that the result was like still a two-touchdown win. I don't know how Ohio State continues to like make the first half so frustrating. Uh, honestly, they made three quarters of the game frustrating today. And then they came out in the fourth quarter after Penn State took the lead. And, you know, it honestly, like, I very rarely feel unconfident about Ohio State's ability to win a football game. But up to that point, there was nothing that the Ohio State offense had done uh, to give me any confidence that they'd win this game. So to win by 13 points and end up scoring 44 when he had 16 on the board with nine minutes left, that's exciting, but leading up to it, I, I was very frustrated and angry, and I think that's going to make this show a lot more fun to listen to. Yeah, it's crazy as hell to see 28 points in the fourth quarter. Um, I just have to – I got to get this off my chest. I will elaborate more, but got to get off my chest. Ryan Day is the biggest bully in college football. I stumbled across this last year. You agreed with me, so I kept saying it, and then the more and more it happens – it is being true, being proven true. And if you don't understand what I mean, the bully is always tough and big and bad against the smaller, weaker opponents. And then as soon as they face someone their size or bigger, they run away scared, they pee their pants, all of that kind of stuff. It happens in every comedy movie and all the things happens in kid movies, adult movies. And if you follow uh, TikTok, or not TikTok, if you follow social media and you're around me and Chris's age between like 24 and 28, we've seen a bunch of videos of bullies getting beat up uh, when the when the little nerdy kid finally decides to fight back. Yeah, yeah that's Ryan Day. That's Ryan Day. When when the when the team when the opponent decides to fight back or they're b- the same size or bigger than them, he just cra- he pees his pants and he runs away scared. And his mom comes into the principal's office and says, "You're picking on my you're picking on my little Ryan." Even though Ryan Day is picking on everybody else. Yeah, I'm tired of it too. Um, I I think the first half was a mixture of, you know, conservative play calling, trying to stick to your game plan, trying to stick to what you've seen on film. And then there was quite a bit of lack of execution. Uh, I don't know what the offensive line has done. Honestly, besides playing more equal caliber opponents, uh, there hasn't really been much to be excited about from the offensive line, the run game. Ryan Day is a play caller. 
these last two weeks. And I think that's an issue. Like, I think we said it multiple times in our Slack chat um, during the game. Like, you have three probably first-round pick wide receivers. You have the number one overall pick quarterback in C.J. Stroud. And you're consistently just throwing bubble screens. And every time you push the ball downfield, you're gaining 18, 19 yards. And then after you get past the 50-yard line, you just say, hey, all right, that's enough yards. We're going to let Noah Ruggles try to win the Lou Groza Award. Uh, So here you go. And that's what's annoying. That's what's frustrating is like things yeah. were working. Like there was a plan that was working and they just went away from it. Yeah. So um, we text occasionally through the week. So I want you to do this for me. Um, not that we'll maybe we'll mention it again on Buck Off. When you watch, when you rewatch the game for your film review, I want you to tell me if I'm right. I don't think the offensive line played bad. I think for two straight weeks, Ryan Day has called run plays into seven-man boxes, and no offensive line is winning that because it's five on seven. Yeah. And I I was watching it, and because, like, when I'm thinking about some of the good runs, and I'm categorizing good runs as five to seven yards, it's when the defense was spread out. Now, could they have played better in certain areas? Sure, but similar to what Iowa did, Penn State played man across the board, put seven people in the box. They had four down linemen, three linebackers, and then they brought their safety into an overhang, overloading a side. And then on top of that, which doesn't typically happen when you have that many people in the box, a lot of times they slanted their offensive line. For anyone that's trying to figure out what I mean, a lot of times you slant your offensive line like a hard slant, which means you're going to one direction or the other regardless of play call. You typically do that when you have less offensive line, when you have like when you're in like a three-down front or something like that because it creates more havoc. This is not to excuse the offensive line, but their I mean their pass blocking was almost excellent. And their pass so, blocking was good today. So watching the game, I really don't except Matthew Jones had a couple bad plays. Not gonna say that. But even even the one where they tried to run the um outside zone or the stretch play from pistol, it was a seven man box. Like you're not he should not have gotten he's I mean that was his guy, so it doesn't matter. But it yeah. was a seven man box and they slanted inside, they slanted the correct way. They made the play. I'm not going to excuse it, but I really think a lot of it, and I wanted to get into this, is Ryan Day calling run plays in the seven-man boxes. And despite the fact that everyone talks about C.J. Stroud's mental aptitude, not letting him call checks at the line of scrimmage. Because if this was the NFL or if this was a more NFL-style offense where they put a lot more on the quarterback, the quarterback is checking out of that every single time. Yeah. Like, and I'm not even talking about, I'm not even talking about Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers. Geno Smith is checking out of a run play in a seven man box. Freaking Sam Ellinger, who for some freaking reason is the coach quarterback now, and I'm not going to talk about it, is checking out of a run in a seven man box. So this is not to excuse the offensive line, but I don't think they're as bad as they've been because. Iowa played man in the seven-man box, and Penn State just copied the formula because they see that Ryan Day just won't throw over the freaking middle. He won't throw a slant. He just won't yeah. do it. Yeah, so I so I, I'm with you in part of it. I think the issue I have is anytime your offensive line is giving up interior penetration to defensive linemen, uh, no running play is ever going to be successful. And I think and I, Iowa and Penn State have been doing that really well. I mean, it's also a combination of, like, the predictability aspect. We've talked about that a lot. I know Justin Fry made, like, this bold proclamation that it's like, I don't care if you know we're going to run the play we're going to run, we're going to get it. And, like, if that's the case, like, I don't think Michigan 
and I'm using Michigan here because they probably have the best run game in football. They don't do that much more than Ohio State. They do a few more gap schemes, but in most cases, it's inside zone, outside zone, and they do the pin and pull as well. Uh, I just need to see Ohio State, like, I, they're just, they don't lean on people all the time. And the one time they did, Travion Henderson ripped off a 42-yard touchdown run. So I, it's, I don't know if it's, I think the slanting, I think teams keep changing up their fronts to confuse them a little bit. I, I mean, despite Matt Jones being a fifth-year guy, he's still an inexperienced starter. Donovan Jackson's an inexperienced starter. Uh, Paris Johnson Jr.'s in his first year starting at left tackle. So you are a little raw on the offensive line, but it's it's like once you add all those things together, it makes it pretty tough to run the football. And then on top of that, how many times do we tra- see Travion Henderson hesitant to hit the hole, even if it wasn't there? So I think that's a very common thing people talk about with NFL running backs is it, you might not see it, but it's going to be there if you just follow the block. And he, and he doesn't do that. He dances, he dances, he tries to wait till it gets open. And the run game has just not been good. Plain yeah, and, that, and that's why for me, like, that's why I don't put it so much on the offensive line because I genuinely don't think that they're playing that bad. And I would have loved to see – Michigan's I would love to see Michigan run the ball if Penn State was putting seven man in the box playing straight man across which they really should have because Michigan doesn't throw the ball and they didn't figure that out until they gave up 418 yards yeah um but I think the combination of predictability and the combination of um the running backs kind of helped it because here's the thing like me and you were talking about I mentioned we went back not not back and forth because that 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 was like an argument we've talked about the power pitch play and i actually love that play as a former running back because it changes your angle to the power play so just really quickly most teams in college and nfl they have the running back on the opposite side of the run next to the quarterback so you have to take a handoff going towards the sideline and turn your body essentially to cut upfield for the power when you pitch it, you're immediately going downhill. Like yep. you take the backward step. So when you catch the ball, you're going downhill. You don't have to do that change of direction, put your foot in the ground, which gives you more momentum. It's why some people like the pit, the pistol. It's kind of like doing a pistol run without having to be in pistol. I actually really love that play. I think that Ryan Day calls it at the wrong time. And yeah. even running it to Mayan Williams, I understand because you're doing it in short yardage. But the one time it worked, it's because they called it on a short yardage play when they were in the middle of the field and not in the goal line. You don't really call that play on the goal line. Yeah, absolutely because it's not. Shorter and they kind of are expecting you to go outside and they know that you call it all the time. I just feel like for me, 90% of this game just falls on Ryan Day. Like I'm not going to hold back. I think he's a shit play caller right now. Um, I think he is running scared and peeing down his pants anytime he plays a decent defense. Um, and I just think that he just – and it's just, it's like you have three of the best wide receivers in the country. You have the best um, quarterback in the country. Despite his obvious flaws, you have one of the best run, running backs in the country and honestly two of the best running backs in the country, although mine got injured. And at, at bare minimum, you have a top five to ten offensive line because Bamman don't got a good offensive line this year. You have all of this stuff. How are you afraid to call things? How are you afraid to be aggressive? Why are you settling for a field goal where you throw 
two screens that get no yards basically and then run up the middle and accept yeah, the and then The run up the middle got you like eight yards. So what you don't think you could do that again? And that's what I mean. Like there are plays even against Iowa and against Penn State that when they're not seven men in the box, the run's working. Why didn't you call that at first? Why'd you go two screens and then run up the middle and, and to set up a better field goal on the twenty freaking yard line? Like Yeah. There are obviously issues that I'm not trying to over, like, I'm not trying to miss them. But being honest, I'm asking, can you name the player that played bad today? Yeah, I honestly. Matt Jones. I will agree on Matt Jones. Yeah, I honestly, I mean, I think Tanner McAllister had some tough moments today. Um, Yeah, Parker, Parker Washington. But corners, yeah, but you're also playing uh, an all Big Ten caliber receiver in Parker Washington. And and not just that, he made some ridiculous catches. Yeah, I know. There were some lucky plays that bounced his way, too. They were very tough catches, aside from the one where they. Credit to Sean Clifford, too, as well, getting him the ball, knowing where his money's made. I'm not ready to say that the corners played bad. J.K. tripped and tackled a guy. Tanner McAllister. Missed the tackle, which that was bad. Yeah, the JK and yeah, I I don't think this game is definitely not on the players at all. Yeah, it's like they made plays when you put them in this position to make plays. Yeah, you could obviously nitpick and ask for certain things. Of course, you need Tanner Tanner to make that tackle. Um, But honestly, I'm trying to think in coverage. And correct me if I'm wrong. Did Tanner have a bad play in coverage, or were they all difficult catches? I'm trying to remember. Um, I know one of the Parker catches was on Tanner, and I can't remember if it was good. Yeah, honestly, was one, there was, was one where it was really good coverage. Yeah, and he there just was, made it was a good throw and a good catch. Yeah, and then there was one, that one where he dove. He was a little late to break out. Um, yeah, but that and that, and that wasn't even a catch. So I don't think I don't think Sean Clifford could throw. I don't think Sean Clifford could intentionally make that throw. Yeah. Um, so I'm just. I, I don't think I. I don't think there was a single player on the field who had a bad game. I even Matt Jones had some bad moments, but like, yeah, like not if if you're an offense lineman, it just gets amplified a little bit. I'm sure if we look deeper, we could find some more stuff to complain about, but I I think we're on the same page. This is on on Ryan Day, it's on the offensive play calling staff. Um, and by not like moving the ball by not scoring by settling for field goals you just keep the fans in the game and that you make it so much harder on your defense and i think that's something that we saw today especially because here's the thing like like and i meant to say this earlier i very rarely think ohio state's going to lose these games and i absolutely felt like ohio state was going to lose this game they deserve to lose this game for Forget 2015 Michigan State, which is what it felt like in the first half. This felt like 2018 Clemson. I felt like we were going to need a drive to win the game, and JPJ or Jair Brown was going to get an interception. Despite the fact that they hadn't done anything the whole game, they might have yeah. both of them might as well not have been on the field. Didn't do anything the whole game unless JPJ was on Emeka Buka because he disappeared, but yeah, really he, didn't he do much the whole forward. game. Um, which I. It's hard to see numbers. I don't know why JPJ would have been on a Mecca. He should have been on Marvin, but regardless, it felt like one of them was going to get an interception that sealed the game, um, like what happened in 2018. Yeah. Is that 2018 or 2019 Clemson? 2019. 2019. Yeah, 2019. 2019 Clemson. Um, I really felt like we were going to lose this game, and it's so much on because, like, at different points of the game, okay, the middle's wide open. He doesn't throw the middle. 
Like there was a there was a point in the game, Marvin Harrison three catches for seventy six or seventy nine yards, and there were three straight drives where he didn't get a single target. Yeah, it, it was rough, and I think like a lot of Emeka's targets today were also in the screen game, and I, I didn't I didn't like that all that much. I, he didn't get he didn't get a lot of opportunities to attack downfield. Guess what? When Emeka Buka ran deep late in the game, what did he do? Yeah, I don't know if we can answer this, but based on watching and maybe what we've heard, is Marvin faster than Emeka? Because I know Julian's not, and both of them burned Penn State. So why wasn't Emeka getting a chance to just go one-on-one, run straight down the field, and run fast, be faster than everybody? Yeah, I Maybe mean, until the, late in the fourth. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know uh, they say Jaden Ballard's the fastest wide receiver on the team, but I feel like Emeka is at least – within a second or two or point zero seconds or whatever of Marvin. And they didn't give him a chance to go deep. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I I feel like if you put him in a race, you could probably get three different results. Yeah. Uh, Um, But I think, I think it's like, I don't know how you want to do this because I think we got to talk about the guy. Yeah, I I just I was looking at the clock and I was like, damn, we're 16 minutes in here and we didn't talk about the most important thing that we happened. had to get the we anger broke. out, and then we yeah, can now so, we can now celebrate the guy. That's what I'm Anger's calling him. Out. He's just the guy. Anger's out. Okay, let's go to break and then we can just have an unlike an insane amount of time to talk about the guy because we need to talk about that. Mm-hmm. We're gonna take our break early. Um, we'll come back right after the ads and then we're gonna talk about him. Him doesn't even feel right. Everyone says him. We need something yeah. else. And we have like, only be we, used by him. We said we had like 18 hymns on the team. We need something great. He's the Leo. Yeah. I don't even care what Jim Knowles says. He's the lion yeah. on the field. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we're going to be back. Actually, right guys. <laughs> we're going to be back right after the ads. All right, everyone, welcome back into the Instant Recap Podcast. Again, Ohio State beat Penn State 44-31. to uh, I want to say single-handedly, but Marvin Harrison did have a have a hand in this. So one of the two people in the duo that single-handedly, because it's not a way to say double-handedly beat um, Penn State, Jalen Tuomaleawi. And I got to say his full name. I got to say it. Despite the fact that it's spelled weird, his name is Jalen. I, I feel like I had to say the full thing. JT didn't sound right. I literally had to like I literally had to pull up his name to learn how to spell it because Jalen is spelled differently because there's an H in it. And then I I've learned how to pronounce it to a Malayal, but um it's just I didn't know how to spell it. I literally had to pull it up. Um Jalen to a Malayal. Just it, it, in my opinion. This is the greatest defensive game since Ndamukong Su against yeah. Texas. There, there have been, like, there's one performance like this from a defender every year, you know, where you're just like, wow, like, this guy completely wrecked the game. Like, Will Anderson had a performance like that last year. You know, you just keep going back through the list. Like, Chase Young, what, 2019, I think he had, like, four and a half sacks against Wisconsin. Like, yeah. three of them were strip sacks. Like, when every time the defense needed something, when every time they needed a play, and even JT, when they didn't, like that yeah, last even, fix. Yeah, he just was there and he was he was just I am like I know QB hits, QB hurries are kind of hard to like count in the moment, but even when he wasn't there, he was right in Sean Clifford's face, either pushing him off his spot mm-hmm. or he's doing the little things well. And then I like the strip sack was so needed. 
Um, that was one of the biggest plays of the entire season. And I think when yeah. you look back at Ohio State's story at the end of the year, that strip sack was probably the true turning point in that game because Ohio State had shifted momentum back and Penn State had been doing a pretty good job at responding. And then the next play, I believe it was it was right it was right after the strip sack, Cade Silver scored the touchdown, right? Like they didn't run another play. Uh yeah, I think so. Yep. Because yeah, it was two touchdowns in like thirty four seconds. So like J I JT Tuomale who scored that touchdown. Yeah. Um his stats today, and again, this doesn't really include QB hurries because it's hard to, to track. Six tackles, three tackles for loss two sacks, one pass breakup, a sack fumble, a fumble recovery, two interceptions, a pick six, and that pass breakup got intercepted by Zach Harrison. He, he had a hand in, full, in all four of our takeaways. He had our only two sacks. Yeah. Like, that's, like that is so dumb. Like, it's like, if we, like, this would still would have been a crazy game. If we had four or five sacks and he had two of the four or five, no, he had our only two sacks and had a hand and caused all four of the takeaways that we had. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tyreek had a sack, too. I just want to give him his credit. Oh, did I look at the wrong sack numbers? This thing said we only had two sacks. Yeah, I got three here. So they, they could have done it post. and Because sometimes if a quarterback gets tackled in the backfield, it's it's hard to tell if he's running or – Oh no no! I'm sorry. I looked at the wrong thing. Uh, it does. It is three. Uh, you know. You know how sometimes with defensive statistics, you have to look at the other team, and it's yeah. more defensive statistic on their side. Like if you're looking at third downs, that's what I did. I yeah, looked I at Penn you. State sacks, and it wasn't sacks taken; it was sacks that they got. So yes, he had two of our three sacks. Ty Leak had. I mean, Ty Leak had an amazing um, drive as well, and that yeah, was great to see because I can't that was say a game was, changing drive. Also, yeah, I can't say he's been playing bad because he hasn't. He just hasn't flashed as much. Mike Hall was flashing more. He comes in, gets a sack, and then two plays later, gets a tackle for loss on fourth down, um, yeah. and we get the ball back. I don't remember if we did anything with it. That may have been the drive that we settled for a freaking field goal to go up 16-14, but um, either way, that was very clutch as well. But, like, am I being hyperbolic to say that this is one of the greatest defensive performances of all time? It'll be talked about for decades, and it is, in my opinion, the greatest defensive performance since Indominus Sue's. That's a lot, so I could be being hyperbolic, but I can't think of another one. Yeah, I think – it's it's definitely with recency bias. I, I think it's in the conversation. Uh, we'll see where. I mean, you know, like I won't say it's better than Indominus Sue's because that would be super recency bias. But it's the next yeah, best. Yeah, like I it's, think it's up there. Like they're on the same level. I, I would love to pull Indominus Sue versus Texas up, just because uh, it it was crazy. But I think this was probably. A top five all-time defensive performance at Ohio State, and I, without like going down the list in my head of some of the best ones, like Joey Bosa versus Penn State when he shoved the defender into the quarterback, like he had an insane day. I mean, but was defense, that a, I don't, I don't, a, was that a dominant game or was that a? Yeah, it was. Play? A, that was the game yeah. when he was a freshman where he like officially arrived. It was very similar to JT's game today. He didn't have an inter- okay. interception for a touchdown, I don't think. But so it was Nick Bosa was the one where he didn't have a dominant game, but then he he sealed it. 
Yeah. Joey's, yeah. So and Dominic had yeah. And Dominican Sue had four and a half sacks, twelve tackles, seven of which were for a loss. Yeah, it's insane. So I was probably not up to that level, but it, I don't know. Two interceptions, like for I a think D lineman, is insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but like, forced fumble. We don't have we don't have to get into which one was better, but it was up there. It's in the it's up there. It's one of the best defensive. Like like we said, like we said, like there's one of these every year from a defensive player where everyone just shuts down everything and talks about it. Yeah. And that was this one. And I don't think you're going to see another performance like this from a defensive lineman this year. No. So for those of you who have the athletic or don't know this, uh, on the Andy Staples show on the athletic in the summer, they did a rewatch where they rewatched games and then they kind of like talked about it and they got beat writers for those games and things like that. And 10 years, if people do a rewatch, they're going to do a rewatch of this game. They did a rewatch. The reason why I say this is they did a rewatch of an Dominican Sue's game in 2009. And that was today. This is 2022. So that was 13 years ago. And 10 to 13 years, if anyone is, if people are still doing rewatches and podcasts and stuff, they're going to do a rewatch of this game. And it's going to be largely because of JT. Yeah, absolutely. It, it honestly, like for it being like 44, what was it, 44 to 31, it, it did truly have some like instant classic Ohio State, Penn State ness to it. Uh, it's just how it's been. It's really how it's been the whole time. Like the last seven years now, it's been. A dogfight, and I think next year I'm going to remember this because I think I was very bullish on Ohio State going into Happy Valley and just kicking them off the field. But I think I had the um, right score without the touchdown. I think I said 45 to 24, right? Uh, or 48 to 24, something like that. Something like that. It was definitely 45 or 48 to 20. Yours was something. closer than mine. Yeah, because you went in the 50s, didn't you? Yeah, I said uh, 50. 5 to 16 or 56 to 15 or something. Yeah, I had 45 or 48 to 24. So, yeah. All right, I, right there. Except for, uh, you know, they gave up that last touchdown because Ohio State is contractually obligated to not uh, beat the spread against Penn State. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I thought I could beat it, but not today. Uh, yeah, it's, but- in the, it's, in the, it's in the head coaching contract somewhere in the, um, some, somewhere in the fine print. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think, like, uh, are there any other things? Like, I, I want like the penalties enraged me today. Like the delay of games, and I think you put it in the show plan of like uh, too many check with me's, and it was frustrating and annoying. Like a delay of game here, a delay of game there, a false start. Like, what what was Jerron Cage doing on that field goal? To like give them no the ball idea. back. That was because you don't have to block it. Like it was one of the stupidest play designs ever. So that's Parker Fleming for you. Uh, I thought the punt coverage was good. I'd say he was two out of four on it because the kicker kicked it out of the end zone almost every time today. So uh, it was not a strong performance. Uh, field goal was good. Uh, punt coverage was good, or, or kick coverage was good. I, I, you know what, they were all right. I just think. The penalties, uh, the penalties, man. I think this the pass interference where J.K. Johnson tripped. Like that's not. I thought it was kind of a touchy foul. I didn't think it was really even catchable, uh, to be honest. It, it probably, but, but yeah. But the thing is, they don't do that anymore. I haven't yeah. seen a single pass interference called off for the ball not being catchable, which is weird because that is that is literally a part of the rule. Yeah, and it, it's definitely. Uh, 
like just those mental mistakes like at home it's a little easier to get over those on the road that just gives them life like Ohio State had them third and 16 after JT just had a nine yard sack where he blew through two defender or blockers and you you just needed to stay over top of them you just couldn't be deep beat or beat deep and that's what happened you got beat deep and then you had to recover and you trip and fall and tackle the guy and then it's first down and 15 yards still isn't even enough for that first down so that's how egregious that penalty is i just think that lack of discipline that's and that's in two road games against michigan state they had a lot of penalties too so on the road i just think ohio state loses some of that discipline i think that's something the coaching staff really needs to look into and you know false starts i i think those false starts were touching too i hate how that's like a judgment call on if they're like so, able to let the defense lineman get back and stuff. I actually don't think that's a judgment call. What I think it is is, and someone else looked this up and said the same thing. If the tackle would have done it, it would have been an offside. Uh, Stover is outside the tackle box, so he can't quote unquote legally or whatever be affected by the offsides. If the left tackle would have jumped or touched the defensive player, which is what they teach in the NFL, you're supposed to reach out and touch them because that means they're across the line. It would have been on the defense. Stover is not allowed to jump though because the, it doesn't affect him. It's inside of him. Yeah. And even if it was the, even if the guy was in seven technique, which is I think the guy would have to be in, in a seven technique, which is inside shoulder of the tight end for Stover to be allowed to jump and touch him. Um, so essentially Stover was just doing what Paris Johnson, um, should have done. supposed to do. Yeah. But, and so yeah, I think and it happened twice. Was. So yeah, that's, uh, it's just, and you know, false starts are found to happen a little more on the road, especially in a loud environment like happy Valley, but yeah. it's definitely was, something that, that you'll take away from. And I, I don't think yeah. there's going to be nearly as hostile an environment as happy Valley. So I don't mm-hmm. think they'll have to worry about it all that much moving forward. And again, the whole is Penn State a rival? Everyone was wrong. Part of my opinion of the stadium not being full at, at noon is from Penn State journalists, people, Penn State like alumni and different no, things like up. that, saying that they did not think they would be there at noon. And all of us were wrong. Yeah. And it's because they were there. It's a rivalry it's game. Packed house. It was insane, honestly. Yeah. Um, I was surprised at how. And, you know, the worst part about it is this game could have been over five minutes into it. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. Easily. If Ryan Day wasn't freaking soft. I'm not getting over it. He's soft. He needs to give up play calling. Yeah, absolutely. I think think it's time. Um, I don't know how much the impact, like, because this actually came up, like, how much someone asked how much of it's Kevin Wilson. And, you know, they break it, like, you got a run game coordinator, you got a passing game coordinator, and then you have Kevin Wilson up in the booth. Uh, it like we don't regardless of have what, a run game coordinator, do we? I don't think they gave think, that title to Fry. I, I thought Fry was had, had it. Well, no, regardless, we all thought he was going to have it. I don't think they officially gave it to him. Yeah. Well, maybe didn't Alfred get a raise and a promotion too? Yeah, but he's associate head coach or something like that. Yeah, well, anyway, there's it's a team effort, and yeah. the reason it all it still all comes down to Ryan Day because Ryan Day is the main decision maker, and that's why, like, here's in my opinion, 
it's it's doubly on Ryan Day because as we said before, and I stand by this, the only reason Kevin Wilson is still here because he's not doing the things that made him successful at Indiana before they found out he was just a terrible coach or whatever happened there. He is because Ryan Day doesn't want someone that's going to challenge him. So Kevin Wilson is good at making game plans or whatever, but he's essentially just collecting a paycheck doing Ryan Day's game plan. He's not challenging him. All the other guys are young and not really, except Tony and, and young and really can't do anything. And then Ryan Day actually calls the plays. So he needs to give up play calling. And like he, and yeah, the reason he needs why to I say be... it's doubly on Ryan Day is because he keeps employing Kevin Wilson instead of going to go get one of these young guys out here who are making a name for themselves. And like, to be honest, I, 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 I'm going to kind of defend Kevin Wilson here because if. He like he's just playing to Ryan Day. He's giving information to him. If it it should be the other way around. Like Ryan Day has too much to worry about on game day. You give the offensive coordinator reins, and then you give advice to him as the head coach who used to do the job. And I right. think, I think when you, what he was quote unquote high. Did Ryan? That's what Urban yeah. hired Kevin Wilson, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I they think they coached together. I, they had the young yeah. hotshot and the experienced guy. And and that makes sense, but it's no longer working that way. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things like Kevin Wilson is could fully focus on the game plan, on the play calling, and then Ryan Day adds his input. I bet you if you had an offensive coordinator, because Jair Brown likes to play downhill. Their corners like to play downhill. They play off man, but they see screen, they go. And that's Manny Diaz's trademark. You go to the ball and you play fast. And they did a great job at that's that. And they're acceptable to screening goes slanting goes play yeah. action all of that and that was a big part missing from the game plan i also think another part of it is i thought penn state's offense i thought yersic did a great job of game planning against ohio state's defense and what it did well and so the talent ended up being too much for him for uh penn state's offensive line but that's the thing they saw tendencies And they did their best to attack it. And that's what Manny Diaz did to the offense. And I think Penn State, for three quarters, outcoached Ohio State in every single facet of the game. I I disagree with that, honestly. I don't think they outcoached the defense because some of the things that happened. Okay, so they gave up, what, 31 points? Two of the touchdowns are a missed tackle and stupid penalties. That's not outcoaching them. So, okay, Penn State. Well, at the first half, they, they definitely did. Well, this, one of the touchdowns in the first half was the missed tackle, right? Yeah, but I still I think they had they, what, it was they had four. I, I'm not I can't say I disagree with you, but they had 14 points in the first half. I, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to say the defense they, was really playing bad, and we forced two turnovers that the offenses did nothing with. Like I think they were throwing. I think the defense. It was. A, I think the offense and defense. Penn State's offense, our defense was a heavyweight fight. And at, at most, you call it a wash because we had two interceptions. They scored two touchdowns. But I I still believe our defense won because if you tackle, they don't have a touchdown. Because, like, Jim Knowles had the right play call. It was two on one. The corner yeah. defeated the block, and then the safety was right there. One of them should have made the tackle. Like, it wasn't even a bad play call. Like, it was like they were there. They didn't even get blocked. It was two on one. They both hit him. And they both missed. Yeah, and I mean, I, I guess, I mean, you're right in that case. I just think they were fighting the holes in the defense. They were getting them moving left and right. Um, and they were just finding the middle of the field, the tight end play. I think they 
it was more of a busted coverage, but still, uh, what was that one? There's the Parker uh, Washington one, and then there was that other one where they did have he, they had the big play to the tight end down the sideline. It wasn't a touchdown, but um, they 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 were they were just getting a lot of chunk plays through the air, and I think yeah, they did, and I you got to give them credit for that. Um, and they they were and that's also something I, they weren't ever scared to run the football and they didn't gain yards every time they ran the ball but I think they were never scared to do it and I think that's a big difference that I saw between their coaching staff and ours and I think that's once again Ohio State likes to do what they do and they do not plan specifically for their opponents all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like Penn State finished the game thirty three rushing attempts one hundred eleven yards one touchdown, good for 3.4 yards per carry. That's not good. That's not good. No. It looked different than what it actually ended up being. Their longest run on the day was 27 yards. But, like, Ohio – but, I mean, Ohio State ran for 26 carries, 98 yards, three touchdowns for 3.8 yards per carry. That's not good either. You look at the numbers – it's not that big of a difference. They ran the ball seven more times for 13 more yards, but to, and and they had one touchdown. We had three. You could quote unquote argue that our running game was more successful, but it didn't yeah. feel that way. Even yeah. Before didn't back it up, it felt like they were out running us and it felt like they were getting good rushing plays when it needed to happen. They were getting it on first down, which allowed them to have, to have some creativity on second and third. And they were picking it up in key moments where we yeah. just weren't. Yeah, and before Travion Henderson's 41-yard run, it was looking pretty bleak, honestly, very, yeah. from the run game standpoint. Very, very bad. But we subtract 41 from 98. I hate doing math on air, but it's that's 50, 57 uh, yards on 25 carries. That's just over two yards per carry. Very ugly. Where, you know, it's very, very ugly. So um, the one thing I want to say um, – I, I keep saying the one thing like we didn't spend 40 minutes talking. Uh, how do you feel about Parker Washington? I, I think maybe he heard a little bit of our disrespect. I yeah, still I was very disrespectful the, this week. I still don't think he's one of the five best wide receivers or maybe even the 10 best wide receivers in the Big Ten, but he had himself a game. And we did talk about this, that we were worried about, like despite the fact that we didn't think he was one of the best. And I do think that I was right that one player can't beat you because Jahan Dotson went crazy on us last year, too. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. Yeah, 11 catches, 179 yards, and one touchdown. And sure, again, 58 of those yards are because two people missed the tackle, and he didn't – I'm not even going to say – Yeah, 10 catches, 128. That's still a great game. Like, he was balling. So, I I at least wanted to show a little bit of respect to him. Toe-to-toe with Marv today, so – and he made he every big catch. Yeah, he made every big catch that needed to be made. Um, tough, tough, tough catches. Um, he had eleven catches on fourteen targets, sixty-five yards after the catch. Like, yeah, he was he was balling. Without him, yeah. I mean, he only scored one touchdown, but without him, this game is different as well. So, yeah, Penn State's players really, really stepped up. Uh, and Sean that's, that's Clifford, something we did mention, like on our show, like is foolish as we were about Ohio state kind of dominating this football game. Like a big thing we were talking about is like Penn state has been consistently close to Ohio state from a talent composite standpoint. But once again, we saw that, that the difference between the 95 composite score versus a 91 or a 90, that's exactly what we saw unfold on the field at the end. It just was too much for Penn state's players. 
Absolutely. I am going to take a quick half a second to be petty. Curtis Jacobs, three tackles. He's not yeah. good, folks. I tried to tell you. I, he didn't jump off the field today. Did he jump off the field to you? No, their other freshman, uh, number 11, did. Uh, um, something Carter. And he only had he only had four tackles, but he had one sack and one tackle for a loss and a QB hurry. So yeah. like, that's kind of where he jumped off the field. Um Curtis Jacobs had three tackles, only one of them solo, no sacks, no tackles for loss, no breakups, interceptions, quarterback hurries, nothing like that. He just didn't yeah. jump off the field. He could have not been there for all I know. Sorry, yeah. I just had to take a second to be petty because I value linebacker play, and y'all media members are not going to stuff him down my throat and tell me that he's one of the best linebackers in the Big Ten when he's not. Yeah, I think he got outplayed by two other linebackers today, definitively, and – yeah, I, I think last thing I, I I like Jair Brown a lot. He's a really good football player. Yeah, he led Penn State in tackles, eight total, six solo. Um, didn't do anything in the past game, and that I think I, I know we're kind of you know reversing to go back to um, the Ohio State thing. Ohio State's passing game is so good that it forced Iowa to not play what they typically play. Yeah, Ohio State's passing game is so good that it didn't feel like Joey Porter Jr. or Jair Brown was effective at all in the passing game, and they're both they're both top fifty picks. Safeties don't always go in the first round, so maybe Jair Brown won't, but he's a top fifty pick. He's going to be one of those early second round picks if he doesn't sneak into the first. And they just didn't call pass plays when they needed to. C.J. Stroud, and you can tell we're angry because we didn't do any of the structure that we normally do. Yeah, C.J. Stroud finished the game 26 of 33, 354 yards, one touchdown. He completed 79, uh, 79% completion percentage, and he there were two drops on balls that should have been catchable, so he could have been 28 for 33. And, you know, 400 yards, whatever. It would probably would have been like 380 because one of them was a slant for like a couple yards. Like, C.J. Yeah. Stroud played – and I want to give C.J. Stroud credit because maybe he doesn't win the Heisman, which would suck because we want to win – you know, we want another Heisman winning quarterback. But an area of growth for C.J. as far as an NFL prospect is when these teams are playing zone and they're sitting back and things like that, he's not forcing it as much. No. He has one or two plays here or there. Like, I think it was either – That's where the talent or, stand. He's like, I'm a very talented player. I could fit this yeah. ball in there. And he needs to stop doing that. Like the, I'm, I can fit this ball in there off my back foot. But I think he's starting to learn from that. They, I mean, he only had. I don't know if I said this on the podcast or if I said it to you. So I'm just going to repeat it again. If I didn't, he only had one pass that, in my opinion, I would clock as turnover worthy, and they ended up not catching it um, because the uh, you know our wide receiver kind of became a defender on that. And so yeah, I think that he played a really good game. Um, and people were like, I literally saw, you know, the Ohio State beat reporter for the athletic say he had a bad game and Quincy Avery responded and said, where was the bad game? Yeah. I don't think he made, it's not a bad game because he didn't have five touchdowns. He played, he played with the offense. I thought this was one of his better games actually. Yeah. Because like he could have made this so much worse with just one interception. They ran on the play where they scored in three plays. They ran like a 35-yard dig route to Marvin Harrison. I had never seen anything like that before, where they had Julian Fleming run the post to take the safety out, and then Marvin Harrison's running across the field like 35 yards down the field. I'm like, 
what even is in your brain to like think about drawing that play up besides having one of the best quarterbacks in school history? Literally. And nobody's going to acknowledge it. He ran the ball today. Yeah, he ran the ball. He was very times. He had a good one. He had a couple where I'm like, okay, like let's, 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 all right, CJ, you're not, you're not Johnny Manziel out here, but, but, but it's better than him taking sacks. Yeah. And he had two or three today where they were five yard gains and it was nice. It's just what you need to do. Keep the sticks moving a little bit. Keep it, stay ahead of schedule. Which is, again, when they're playing the way that they're playing, he could have taken sacks or forced passes, and that would have changed the game. So, yeah, again, that's why I said earlier, like, name the player that had a bad game. You could argue I hate, Matthew Jones. You could argue argue Jaqueline Johnson. But outside of that, I mean. And I don't want to be a shade thrower in any, any way, but if you are someone who is trying to evaluate football, and you think C.J. Stroud had a bad game today when he missed one throw to Marvin Harrison? Uh, I think you need to uh, reevaluate what a good game is. Yeah, and uh, you, like you weren't watching it; you just look at the stat sheet and say five touchdowns, good game; one touchdown, bad game. I there's no world that exists where seventy nine percent for three hundred fifty plus yards and a touchdown is a bad game. No. Like if that's a bad game, what's a good one? Yeah. So I don't even I don't even really want to know yeah. because there's not. No. Uh, so let, let's let's hop back on structure as we kind of wrap up. Um, uh, I guess I guess I'll throw some stats out there. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. ten for one one hundred eighty five for me, and tell me if this is blasphemous. This may have been Marvin Harrison's best game in my opinion. Because he did the thing that he didn't do that he hasn't been doing that you want from a wide receiver one. I think this made yeah. him a wide receiver one. Marvin Harrison gave us all the pretty plays, the three touchdowns. But a lot of those games where he wasn't getting three touchdowns, he wasn't super effective. He didn't have a single touchdown. But every time you needed him, whether he was against Joey Porter, Jair Brown, or someone else, he was open. He made big catch after big catch. He had 10 catches on. Anytime you um, needed a first down, he had a catch. He had 10 catches on 12 targets, and one of those 12 targets was an overthrow. That, that Where wasn't he's wide open, and it would have been open. a 60-yard touchdown. So it's like, I mean, he had the game of his life, in my opinion. The touchdowns are great. The acrobatic catches are great. But he played a wide like, – just like C.J. Yeah. Stroud played within the offense, he played a wide receiver game within an offense. He got open, he made catches, and he kept the team moving. I mean, how many third and eights – Third and tens did he, you know, come up big for us. I, I think this was his best game of his career. It wasn't the most flashy, but it was the most consistent. Um, and without him, I don't know where we go with this game. Um, Cade Stover, six catches for 78 yards, one touchdown. Um, also had a, a – except for on screens. Sneaky game, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he didn't block well, but he made up for it. He made yeah. up for it big time. Absolutely. And then the defense, four takeaways, two sacks, seven tackles for loss, one forced fumble, and they forced uh, Penn State to be six of of 16 on third down. Penn State, Sean Clifford, 32 of 47, 371 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Katron Allen went 12 for 76, and um, Parker Washington was 11 for 179 in a touchdown. Yeah, and one more more pay respect to Penn State. I – was very much of the opinion that their running backs had been a little bit overhyped. I thought they had like a really good game, especially for freshmen, honestly. Like 
Yeah, I think the one thing that's interesting, and you kind of have to take certain things with a grain of salt, Catron Allen is the Mayan Williams of this offense. And what Catron Allen kind of did is like what people have sometimes been calling for when they say they want Mayan to be the number one because he saw ball, he saw hole, got hole. Sometimes it was two yards, sometimes it was the 27, but he rarely got tackled for a loss. He didn't yeah. dance where um, Nick Singleton dances. Just like, I mean, they, they, they have our backfield, but younger, essentially. Yeah. Um, so favorite moment, I had a JT moment, and then he just kept playing. So favorite moment is JT. My favorite moment was JT, JT getting yeah. off the bus. Like, he got yeah. off the bus. That was the favorite moment of the game. Yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's rewind a little bit. Let's go back to July last year. Um, that was my favorite moment. And from then on, it's just been nothing but good. Yeah. Uh, without that moment, we don't have today, and it was just incredible. Like, we you could go through the stats again. We could do a whole podcast on this game. Yeah. On his perform, like I would love to just like I know I need to talk about some real stuff in my film review, but I would well, just like to write about JT. If if you're not gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. But you do the film review. So I'm going to give you first go, but I want to write about this performance if you're not, or maybe, I mean, we did do a joint article last year. Maybe we can find something that works and we can both do it. Uh, yeah, whatever. absolutely. I don't care. But I think there was needs to be an fun. article on this performance for sure. Um, other favorite the touchdown, moment. the touchdown, the, the touchdown was insane. Like he jumped into yeah. a passing lane and like quarterbacks Why have to throw those blocked? screens. Yeah. They have to throw those screens hard. So he had like, it was literally – remember those videos where receivers used to just go stand in front of a jugs machine and catch the ball yeah. right as it came out? That's basically what he had to do there. And he's a defense lineman. I know he's not working on the jugs machine every day. No. the And as crazy as that was, the best play was his first interception because I'm watching it, and he ba- he literally baited yeah. Clifford into that throw. He's sitting there, and he takes like a false step inside and like kind of turns his head. And then as soon as Clifford throws it, he jumps it. And he and because he took the little false step, the little face a fake out of position, he had to Clifford dive. never had a chance. Yeah. He had to dive to get the ball because he was he technically was out of position because he baited him and yeah. thinking that guy was open. He dove for it, double clutched it, and catched it. A defensive end shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. And for those like who are like surprised by this, go back and watch his offensive highlights in high school. He was uh, a tight end, wasn't he? Yeah, he was scary. And, I mean, he was like an all-state basketball player. So, he's just a freak athlete. Uh, this is exactly what you sign up for when you get the number one player in the country. Yeah. And we I got mean, it today. Aside, aside from the like the fact that he was being blocked, that interse- the second interception was a tight end. Like the, he jumped up full extension, just caught, just snagged the ball, ran for a touchdown. It's just even crazier because he was getting blocked at first. And, yeah. he, and he got off the block and did that. Crazy. Um, other favorite moment, um, sack TFL combination. That sequence was insane. It was, it was, was such crazy. an insane sequence. And then baby Gronk. Yeah. On, I man. had to add this one in it. Like he just kept breaking. People just kept melting off of him. Basically he kept running and then they hit him and they just fall off. And I was like, there is a 0% chance when he caught it. I was like, he is going to score a touchdown here. Like I've never yeah. seen Kate sober with, this much space to get a full head of steam going. It was like watching a train take off from like the station. That's really what it was. And he just kept going. And that, that play was like, all right, they just willed themselves to win this game. It wasn't pretty. And that was just a personified the 
willingness to just just do it, yeah. get it done. It's hard to quantify best, but in recent memory, Kate Stover is the most interesting tight end we've ever had. Like he's yeah. just fun to watch. It just feels like like yeah, Jeremy Ruckert had the beautiful, graceful one handed catch the back of the end zone, that kind of stuff. But th- like there's something about when Kate Stover just has the ball in his hands. Yeah. Like last he week had, he's jumping over. He hurdled people. the guy this like, week. Uh, he's going to be a long-time NFL player. Oh, absolutely. Like, he's going to be a stud. Uh, I mean, like, if he continues his development and the work ethic and everything that he has. He was making he, some tough catches, too. Yeah. Like, a ch- like he's going to he's gonna be – oh, my God. I hate when I do this. I forget a player's name um, as soon as I want to say it. Who is uh, Green Bay's tight end? Um, Not Green Bay. I'm sorry. 49ers. Uh, George Kittle. You telling me he can't be George Kittle? And and I know that's a lofty thing, but again, he continues his like George Kittle wasn't George Kittle in the yeah, league. He hasn't right? been like, playing tight end for very long. He continues his growth, his work ethic, his skill set. Because George, like, because he's a better blocker than what Travis Kelsey is. His comp is George Kittle or the tight end for the Ravens. Who again, I can't think of his name right now. Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews. What you telling me? He can't be one of them. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not. No, I'm not going to say it. Um, I, every every week, I, I didn't tweet it this week because I was too stressed, but every week I tweet out, Cade Stover, best football player in the world. Listen, I, I'm with you. Although, our two players of the game, unless you have one to add, are making some arguments for that. Uh, Jalen Tumalau, have to say it again, he deserves the full name. Player of the game, route man Marv. Two people want like again. Stroud played good. Mecca had like you know hey. the the whole team fought and all this other kind of stuff. We don't win this game without route man Marv or without JT. I'm just gonna say this very clearly. When you see someone uh, talking about like oh recruiting's not that important, Ohio State two of their best recruits in the last like three cycles just won this game for Ohio State. And on and in the reverse, are you telling me Penn State may not win this game if they have Marvin Harrison and Kyle McCord as their starting quarterback? I, Two I kids. Yeah, that's all. Like, that's it. All things equal, you put Marvin Harrison on this team with Parker Washington. You let Kyle McCord be the quarterback, and you still have Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. They don't win that's, this game. It's a big deal, and that's why the St. Joe's pipeline. Let's keep it running. St. Joe's to Ohio, baby. Let's go. Um, all right. Do you have, did you have anyone to add player of the game? Are we good? Well, I think like we already talked about it, but CJ needs some more love. Yeah. The detriment of the play calling uh, to CJ uh, kind of really took away from his performance. And I, I honestly, I think Ryan Day's losing him the Heisman. I really do. Uh, I agree a hundred percent. And at this point, like, for people who actually watch the game with Heisman voters don't can say that like in my opinion this is a Heisman moment for CJ Stroud. Yeah. Because if he they, makes a single mistake, he we lose this game. But if Hendon Hooker goes out today, puts up five touchdowns against Kentucky, it's over unless yeah. they just get destroyed by Georgia. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, Stroud still has quite a few games where he can get back to the front, but right now it's Hendon Hooker and it sucks because I don't think it's anything CJ's done wrong, honestly. Yeah. And it also sucks because Hennon Hooker could throw five touchdowns today and still wouldn't have more than CJ Stroud, even though Stroud only had one. So, yeah. you know, whatever. Heisman voters don't know anything. I'm I'm 100% okay with adding CJ Stroud 
to uh, play the game for this as well. Um, injuries, Mayan Williams. I put finger, wrist, or arm. It looked to me like his finger. Um, it got yeah. caught in a player's helmet. I think they helmet. showed Someone him with that. the like little like Ninja Turtle taping done. Yeah, and he when he came out in the locker room, his arm wasn't in a cast or like an air cast or like a sling. So I do think it was his finger. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it was very alarming how he was walking off the field with his wrist. Like it looked like it was like out of place. He was holding it down like this. And it was probably just a natural reaction because his fingers hurt less doing it that way. But at first I'm like, oh man, his hand might not be attached right now. And that's like, that's not coming back soon. Yeah, no, it definitely looked a little bit weird. Um, but yeah, and then it, they said they didn't rule him out. So, but he wasn't going to play again. No, it it had been really tough. Um, any so what's next Northwestern? Uh, we got train him. We'll play some running back next week, probably. Yeah, a, a nice little get right game. Uh, oh yeah, CJ Stroud five touchdowns to to extend his lead um, because you know people don't watch the game, so they need to see another four hundred yard five touchdown game so he can get back up there in the Heisman. Um, any final thoughts on anything Stroud day the game? <sighs> I don't know, man. Ryan Day's living dangerous game right now. Uh, I, I think a lot of fans are, you know, we've been saying stuff for a few years now. Uh, everyone's kind of getting on board with it. And, you know, the Ryan Day big game stinkers, especially on the road, uh, it's turning into the Ryan Day special. And I hope he can self-scout a little bit more and even get better at that. But all things considered, winning by 13 on the road in Happy Valley uh, with the performance like JT's, uh, you can't be too mad about it. No. Again, I still think Ryan Day needs to give up play calling and Tim Walton needs to be fired, but we can talk about that in the offseason, which is dangerously close. End of the day, we get the win. Uh, we have three easy games in front of us, and hopefully, like you said, they self-scout so we uh, Michigan doesn't come into this house and, and, and upset us. We need that yeah. win. It's very um, fortunate. Uh, Ohio State's road up to that game from here on out is a much more manageable one than the other yeah. guys. Yeah, they have a – but we even still, we need to win that game because if we lose to them – we still don't win the Big Ten, so yeah, doesn't matter. I, I mean, it'd be better to lose to a scrub than lose to them. We could lose to a scrub and still win the Big Ten. So yeah, uh, that's it from us. We'll see you next week for the Northwestern game. And here's hoping they don't do what they love to do and make crappy games, seven p.m. games. Because at seven p.m., I'm going to be very upset. We'll um, do the instant recap in like the first quarter and just hope it like. <laughs> Matches up with what happened in the game. Yeah, and then just like log in at the end and put in the final score in the beginning. All right, everyone. Y'all have a good rest of your night. Happy Halloween. Hopefully, you're all going to a Halloween party. Drink responsibly. Uh, and if uh, you have any good costumes, tweet at us, uh, Jordan W. Buck off at Buck off Pod and uh, Chris working there. I, get, I, I did the bug off one, but where, where else can they find you? Oh, yeah, Chris Rennie, CFB. We're always talking, Paul. Yeah, always. Go Bucks.